This podcast is brought to you by J.P. Morgan ETFs. Face it, the principles you need to build a stronger portfolio haven't changed, but the tools you need have, which is why J.P. Morgan is bringing new ETF solutions to the marketplace. It's time to evolve your portfolio for a new world. Let's solve it at jpmorgan.am trillions. Investing involves risk. J.P. Morgan ETFs are distributed by J.P. Morgan Distributor Services Incorporated. Hi, I'm Tom Lydon with ETF Trends, and welcome to today's podcast. I'm here with Paul Quincy, who's Global Head of Equities for J.P. Morgan Asset Management, and Brian Lake, who's Managing Director of International ETFs at J.P. Morgan Asset Management. So, Paul, we're going to get started with you. As you're looking to wrap up 2018, what are some of the main things that J.P. Morgan's considering? Sure. So it's certainly been a more difficult year this year than 2017, although U.S. stocks are still slightly higher than they were back in back at the beginning of, of January. Markets elsewhere, Europe's down 8 10% now. Uh, Japan, most stocks are down. And in the emerging markets, we've seen some real pain. So the Chinese stock market's down 25 30% so far this year. So a much more difficult year than we've seen. So to me, the key question is why and then what happens next, right? So in terms of why... I think there's two things driving this weakness. The first is the downside of the acceleration in global growth that we saw in 16 and 17 that's, of course, been generally good and led to profits rising. But we're now seeing the consequences in terms of higher US interest rates, a higher dollar, putting a lot of pressure on markets, particularly in the the rest of the world. So that's number one. And then secondly, a list of political issues with trade and tariffs at the top but then the Italian budget and, of course, Brexit in the background that are just all making investors nervous. So they've been staying away from stocks, and within the markets, they've been coming back to the tried and trusted technology growth stocks with the seemingly unassailable stories that they like the most. That's really what we're looking at in terms of explaining what's going on here. So as you look to 2019, where do you see the best opportunities, and what are the major concerns? So I think the best opportunity is staying with stocks. We think you'll make money. We think 19 will be a better year than 18. We don't think that the economic cycle is ending just yet. The really bad corrections come when we have a recession. And as we look at it, despite the fact that this US economy has been growing now for an unusually long period of time, it still doesn't feel to us like we're yet on the edge of recession. This this growth could carry on for another two or three years. And in the rest of the world, we're even further away than we are, we think, in the US. So we think it's more volatility than end of cycle. That means the best thing you can do is stay with, stay with stocks here. So in the US, uh, we've been running a pretty good clip. Uh, dollar's been strong. Earnings have been incredibly strong. But we've seen a lot of smart money start to shift to developed international markets, emerging markets. Is that right? Well, so far, it probably hasn't felt too smart because, because the returns have stayed not just in the US, but within the US, in those sort of well-loved growth stocks that we could all name, the Amazons and Googles that have really provided that leadership. I do think the right thing to do is to look beyond that. As we look at global markets, one of the things that's most distinctive is the ever-widening gap in valuations between the stocks the market loves and the stocks the market doesn't. And that gap is reaching levels that are pretty wide by past standards. Not unprecedented, but we're in the sort of 90th percentile of that separation. That can't go on history is a guide for that much longer. Give us a little more detail on that. Yeah, so people are paying, investors are paying more and more for where they feel like they know the growth will come from. 
US internet stocks, technology stocks, actually increasingly just in the US because in the rest of the world they've, they've fallen further behind. Companies that are seen as more cyclical, more vulnerable to an economic downturn when it does appear, they're getting cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. That gap is really wide. So I think broadening your portfolio, looking beyond the US, looking just beyond you know, the, the, those growth stocks, I think that's a pretty smart thing to do. Well, let's talk strategy. Do you just, for the average investor or even institutional client, do you diversify across the world in emerging markets or do you pick your spots? I think the, the, the first thing to do is to be pretty diversified. I do think emerging markets is a part of the world where active management can really add a lot of value, and I think a lot of people have uh, confidence in that. So there's a tremendous range of companies within emerging markets. There are some very good ones that rival the best we see in the developed markets. And there's some companies that really aren't run for you as a shareholder at all. Mm -hmm. and, and figuring out the difference within those two is probably more important in emerging markets than it is in any other part of the world, although we think it's always important. So quality-orientated active management, we think, in emerging markets makes a tremendous amount of sense. You mentioned technology. Let's get back to technology. Um, there have been some great standouts. For a second there, I, I got the feeling that you felt that this trend was going to continue and it wasn't going to slow down anytime soon. No, I think the trend of technology outperformance will probably slow down. It's driven by fundamentals. So when you look at the, what's behind this is a tremendous improvement in technology profitability in the last four or five years that dramatically outpaces profitability in any other business. So the market didn't just make this up, right? This is where the real growth leadership has come from. However, the market has really figured this out now. So the valuations of many of these stocks, particularly the leading internet commerce stocks, and, and, the, and, and the sort of cutting edge technology names in the US, they are fully priced stock, they're not cheap. So they can continue to do just fine, the earnings will be there we think, but that isn't necessarily where investors are gonna get the best returns from here. Brian, uh, we talked a little bit about choice and it really is about choice. With ETFs here in Europe, it's been amazing the proliferation of ETFs and the popularity. Can you touch on that a little bit and, and what's been going on in the last few years with ETF adoption? Yeah, so, so globally we're at $5 trillion in, in, in ETF assets. And uh, the first ETF was launched in, in 1993 in the US. And there's actually never been a rolling five-year period where ETF assets haven't doubled. Um, now, when you fast forward and look a little bit specifically at Europe, the European ETF industry kicked off about 10 years after that of the US. But if you were to zero those two out and look at the start of the European in industry along with the US industry, the growth rates have actually almost been right on top of each other. And so even though from a total asset standpoint, Europe is still a touch behind, we're seeing it grow just as quickly as the US market did, and therefore we think that there's significant growth uh, to be had going forward as well. So what would you say some of the key drivers would be if we continue to see growth in the next couple of years? So it, it, it goes back to the benefit-rich ETF vehicle, and, and we think about the ETF as a technology. Uh, it, it's not an investment strategy, it's just a technology or a wrapper that allows you to access the markets. Um, you can get exposure to U.S. equities just as easily as you can get exposure to U.S. treasuries through the ETF wrapper. And so when you think about how you can get that exposure, it goes back to the key uh, kind of benefits of the wrapper. So it trades throughout the day, uh, so it offers a tremendous amount of convenience. Uh, it's transparent, so you can understand exactly what it is that you hold uh, within the portfolio. Uh, there's some efficiencies from a tax perspective in, in certain markets, uh, as well as there's some just kind of technology that we can leverage which allows us to pass along um, potentially lower cost 
uh, to investors as well. Uh, when you mentioned that ETFs are 25 years old, it's unbelievable that that much time has gone by. But beta strategies, and especially low-cost beta strategies, account for the majority of the assets, both in the U.S. and Europe. But lately, we've seen institutions and advisors not mind paying up for more intelligent indexes. Can you talk about that, and do you think that that trend will continue? Yeah, I absolutely do, um, and it just underscores the point that the ETF is a, is a delivery mechanism. We want to leverage a bunch of different engines. Um, we certainly have seen a, a trend towards passive, uh, but we've also seen uh, the further advancement of what we'll call smart beta strategies. But let's not forget that, that active management is still four times the size of, of passive. Um, and if you can take the objectives that investors are trying to achieve when they use those capabilities and then combine it with the ETF wrapper, you, you have a compelling proposition to ultimately help, help, help people achieve their, their financial goals, build better portfolios. Yeah. So uh, you mentioned active, and you've recently launched an active ETF. I think along the lines of what Paul was just saying, uh, it's nice to be able to have a broad base cap-weighted strategy, but maybe in times like this, it's important to be more selective. Talk about this new strategy. These new strategies leverage the, the entire kind of research and investment engine of JP Morgan uh, equities and, and active management. So we take all of the research that our organization um, has at its fingertips, incorporate that and deliver it to uh, the portfolio managers, the human beings that are actually making discretionary decisions on the portfolio, uh, if you can believe it, within an ETF conversation. And, and then what they're trying to do is deliver a strategy with the objective of outperforming the benchmark by about 100 basis points. Um, and that's all done by leveraging this, this entire engine um, that exists. And, and, and by the way, we have a pretty extensive track record of delivering this, this type of capability to the market. Yeah. Earlier, Paul, we were talking about the outlook. We were talking about the JP Morgan quarterly report and how it's updated. You were talking about being selective. How excited are you about these strategies? And can you, in fact, through these strategies, implement uh, the, the systematic discipline that JP Morgan has and deliver it within an ETF wrapper? Yes, the strategies are very disciplined. They are designed to provide excess returns that are better than the market, but with a high degree of consistency. And the only way you can do that is with a very disciplined and objective portfolio construction approach on top of a very experienced research group. Now, we have a lot of history with research. We started researching companies in terms of looking at their long-term earnings power and valuing stocks that way in the US back in the mid-1980s. And not long after that, we started building portfolios like this in the US for institutional investors. So we've got a long history of doing it. I think discipline is one of the first words that comes to mind when I think about the qualities of the approach. Uh, and as far as the structure, it's active, but it's transparent. Is that correct? Yeah, that's exactly right. So, so we've gotten to a spot where you can see every single one of the holdings within the portfolios. You can look on our website today and see exactly what's in the portfolio, um, which if we feel like there's a benefit to investors and it doesn't impact the efficacy of the strategy by providing that transparency, uh, that's a benefit that we'd like to maintain in the overall proposition of the products. Yeah. So, Paul, going forward, again, choice is important. You've got some separate account strategies. You've got some mutual fund strategies as well. Um, why will an ETF active transparent strategy get that much more appeal maybe going forward? Well, I think it comes back to some of the benefits of the vehicle that Brian stressed. So the intraday liquidity, the transparency, in some cases, 
the tax treatment really suits many investors. And, and, and look, investors everywhere are, are voting with their, uh, with their wallets and increasingly focusing on ETFs. So we want to make sure that our active strategies can be relevant to that trend. And, yeah. and, and just Tom, further on that point, I mean, we see this as a big innovation in the industry. We're taking this vehicle that is relatively new in the grand scheme of things and combining it with a significant active capability that we think brings a lot of merit to it, particularly in the markets that, that we've talked about. The, the, the analogy I give is that when the first mobile phone came out, it was a transcendent technology. It gave you the opportunity to communicate without a landline. You could be you know, walking on the street or on the beach like Michael Douglas in the movie Wall Street, right? And it was an incredible invention. We now all have these in our pockets, but making a phone call is only one of the things that we use the mobile phone for. We email, we text, we take pictures, we tweet, we go on Instagram. And we think about the ETF vehicle in that same way, right? It, it's a transcendent technology that we think helps investors build better portfolios, but we've only begun to start to scratch the surface of all the different things that can be delivered through the ETF wrapper for investors. A lot of advisors, investors, and institutions are patting themselves on their back uh, uh, based on this nice move that we've had in equities this almost 10 years now. Uh, but if you decided to allocate to pure beta strategies, you really don't have any managers to blame when things get tough. Um, with that in mind, we're already starting to see some flows move over to intelligent beta strategies, smart beta strategies, and active strategies. Um, as we see the markets return to normal periods of volatility, do you think that will continue? So I certainly think that it will be, very, it'll be a long time before we see a year that's as easy to live with as, as last year, right? So last year, investors pretty much everywhere in the world had a fantastic combination of good returns, very good in some cases, and very low risk. It just isn't like that usually. So, so usually you have twice the volatility that you have of return. So absolutely, I think that's here to stay. I don't think there's anything unusual about that. It's only a problem if investors aren't prepared for it and, and, and become a victim of volatility rather than sticking with it or even using it to their advantage. Brian, where do you see the ETF business 10 years from now? So, so you'll be surprised, but I'm quite bullish. Um, I, I, you know, I referenced the, the growth of the industry since 1993. There's never been a rolling kind of five-year period where the ETF assets haven't doubled. And so I'm actually on record suggesting that the ETF industry could be $30 trillion by the year 2030. And actually, I say that because all we would have to do is maintain the same exact growth trajectory that we've had coming up to this point. So $5 trillion today, $10 trillion by 2023. Uh, 20 trillion by 2028, and you know about July of 2030, there you are at, at 30 trillion dollars. Now, there's a couple of things that I think drive us to that to that spot. So, um, first of all, I think that um, you know underscoring the point that the ETF is a technology to deliver capabilities to the market. Um, I think delivering fixed income through the ETF wrapper will be something that will continue to grow, uh, and and I don't think that investors have fully appreciated the benefits that come through with that. And I think the second powerful engine that we'll have is active delivered through the ETF wrapper, just because it differentiates so much from what's already been done there. But we've clearly documented that active capabilities do deliver a bunch of benefits to investors' portfolios. And so I think if we, if we see those two engines really firing, we could absolutely hit $30 trillion in, uh, in 2030. If I could just add one thing to that, I think that you're right, returns have, at least for investors in the US, that's of course the biggest market, been above average in the last 10 years, unlikely to be like that in the next 10. If an active manager can actually deliver some value, that becomes more valuable, of course, to the client, 
in a lower return environment when it's harder to make money. Excellent. Brian, Paul, thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. This podcast brought to you by JP Morgan ETFs was produced by Bloomberg Media Studios. JP Morgan Asset Management was awarded the best use of cutting edge technology by the American Financial Technology Awards. All qualifying entries are examined, discussed, and voted on by the American Financial Technology Awards judges. The American Financial Technology Awards, AFTA, process began with an open nomination period. Winners were selected by a majority vote of the American Financial Technology Awards judges. To ensure the process is completely unbiased and objective, judges are not allowed to comment on, or vote for, entries from their own institutions. Winners were announced at the American Financial Technology Awards dinner in December 2017. JP Morgan Asset Management and JPMDS are not affiliated with InfoPro Digital Risk Limited. JP Morgan Asset Management was awarded the best use of emerging or innovative technology by the Banking Technology Awards. Banking Technology Award winners are selected on a three-part basis. The awards process began with an open nomination period. Following the open nomination process, the Banking Technology Award judges voted to select up to eight finalists in each category. Votes were tallied on a majority basis. Winners from these finalists were selected by majority vote of the Banking Technology Award judges. To ensure the process is completely unbiased and objective, judges are not allowed to comment on, or vote for, entries from their own institutions. Ties were decided where possible with head-to-head runoff votes. Voting was completed by September 2017, but results were kept secret until their announcement at the Banking Technology Awards Dinner on December 13, 2017. JP Morgan Asset Management and JPMDS are not affiliated with Informa PLC. Bloomberg News are not endorsed by JP Morgan Asset Management. This document is a general communication being provided for informational purposes only. It is educational in nature and not designed to be a recommendation for any specific investment product, strategy, plan feature, or other purpose. The companies mentioned herein are for illustrative purposes only. Their inclusion should not be interpreted as a recommendation to buy or sell. The use of the above company logos is in no way an endorsement for JP Morgan Asset Management. Any examples used are generic, hypothetical, and for illustration purposes only. Prior to making any investment or financial decisions, an investor should seek individualized advice from a personal financial, legal, tax, and other professional advisors to take into account all of the particular facts and circumstances of an investor's own situation. The views contained herein are not to be taken as advice or a recommendation to buy or sell any investment in any jurisdiction, nor is it a commitment from J.P. Morgan Asset Management or any of its subsidiaries to participate in any of the transactions mentioned herein. Any forecast figures, opinions, or investment techniques and strategies sent out are for informational purposes only, based on certain assumptions and current market conditions, and are subject to change without prior notice. All information presented herein is considered to be accurate at the time of production. This material does not contain sufficient information to support an investment decision, and it should not be relied upon by you in evaluating the merit of investing in any securities or products. In addition, users should make an independent assessment of the legal, regulatory, tax credit, and accounting implications and determine together with their own professional advisors. If any investment mentioned herein is believed to be suitable to their personal goals, investors should be sure that they obtained all available relevant information before making any investment. It should be noted that investment involves risks. The value of investments and the income from them may fluctuate in accordance with market conditions and taxation agreements. The investor may not get back their full amount invested. Both past performance and results are not a reliable indicator of current and future results. JP Morgan Asset Management is the brand for the asset management business of JP Morgan Chase & Company and its affiliates worldwide. This communication is issued by the following entities. International investing has a greater degree of risk and increased volatility due to political and economic instability of some overseas markets. 
Changes in currency, exchange rates and different accounting and taxation policies outside the U.S. can affect returns. Diversification does not guarantee investment returns and does not eliminate the risk of loss. Diversification among investment options and asset classes may help to reduce overall volatility. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. J.P. Morgan ETFs are distributed by J.P. Morgan Distribution Services, Inc., which is an affiliate of J.P. Morgan Chase & Company. Affiliates of J.P. Morgan Chase & Company receive fees for providing various services to the funds. J.P. Morgan Distribution Services, Incorporated is a member of FINRA. J.P. Morgan Asset Management is the marketing name for the asset management business of J.P. Morgan Chase & Company and its affiliates worldwide.